morning. Uh, we're back in the Word, man. I hope you've had a good week. It's been a pretty good one around here. Uh, hope the weather's been good wherever you are. I hope you're in the valley watching this. So uh, if you have, we've had rain. It's like seeing Bigfoot or something, looking at the forecast, and there's rain in it. But but anyway, um, we're going to jump back in the Word. If you got a Bible, go grab it. Turn to Exodus chapter 33, and that's where we're going to be today again. This is not uh, church. This is me unpacking the the word, the text here, in order for us to think on it, process it, and then tonight we'll gather and have a church as we discuss it and spend some time in prayer. You're welcome to come. We'd love for you to come. Uh, we have some food, things like that, too. Uh, it's just real simple and chill. But we we would love for you to be here. You can find us online through social media, through email, through website, um, and hit us up, and we'll tell you exactly how to get where we are. We're in Tempe, so... Love for you to come. Uh, we've been working through a, a study on the idea or the question of, is God among us? And we're going to continue to do that today. We've looked at a theme throughout this of Revelation 21 verse 3 that says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So today we're going to keep going with this, is God among us? And today we're going to look at, is God among us face to face? Um, that could be a pretty intimidating statement, but we'll look at it in the text. And I, a couple things to think about. Do you ever feel like you're just reading Bible stories? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. you. Ever feel like you're reading these things sometimes and it's just like, man, this is... It's just a story, almost like even if you don't want to, you almost feel like God's some mysterious force out there, more so than a person. Um, and maybe you want more than that. Maybe you desire more than that. And I hope you do, in a sense. I don't hope you think he's the force, but I hope you desire more. Um, would you still feel that way, though, if it meant he gained more of you? Would you still feel that way if he meant he gained all of you? Sometimes we don't like the trade-off. So how much of him do you really want to see? You know what I'm saying? How close do you really want to get? How well do you want to be connected with God? Things to think about as we jump into the text today. So uh, Exodus 33, uh, verse 7. I'm going to read a handful of verses today. And then we'll get in there. But uh, Exodus 33, verse 7 says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far out from the camp and he called it or far off from the camp excuse me and he called it the tent of meeting and everyone who sought the lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp whenever moses went out to the tent all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch moses until he had gone into the tent when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the lord would speak with moses when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Let me uh, pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, it is awesome. Thank you. Uh, for entrusting it to us, not just to me, but to the ears that hear today, that you've given this word to us and entrusted it to us for the purpose of uh, growing closer to you, to knowing you, to seeing you. 
and uh, perhaps more importantly, even to sharing it with others. God, let us be faithful to that as your disciples. Uh, Again, it's your word, not mine. I ask that you speak in Christ's name. Amen. So, you ever heard the phrase out of somebody, look me in the eye and tell me the truth? Let me put these down, speaking of eyes. Look me in the eye and tell me the truth. I want to see your face. Say that again. Look me in the eye. Tell me the truth. Why the eyes? Well, people say, well, they're the windows to the soul. And that, that may be, there's a, but what, what the expression is, is that there's this sense that I, I can see your heart through your eyes. Like I can see your emotion. I can see what you really mean. I can see the truth there. Or I can tell if there's a lie going on by looking at your heart through your eyes. That's kind of the way people's, and maybe that's true. I don't know. But what if what you saw there was overwhelming? What if what you saw there was a bit scary? You know, we, we assume that seeing is, is seeing that is only going to be something we want to find or something we enjoy looking at. But if you can truly see this person's through their eyes, you're seeing their, their soul and their heart in, in totality, you may see things you don't want to see. You know? You might see things you don't want to see. Imagine you're looking into somebody's eyes and you see your sin. Now, obviously, I'm jumping into God's shoes here a little bit. But imagine if you're looking in his eyes and you see your sin, your sin. God, I mean, just imagine looking into his eyes, period. The the depth of the entire universe, all of the stars are, are like a gleam off his eyeball in a sense. You're going to look into those eyes? Maybe maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> maybe you don't want to. Um so what does it mean here that Moses spoke with God face to face? That's where we're going to dive into. Did, did he see God eye to eye? Did Moses, uh, at, you know, get in God's face? I mean, what did this look like? Moses did ask to see God eye to eye, and he's already speaking with him. He's already being led by him. Moses was desperate for more and more of God. And I'll be honest with you. I'm feeling kind of challenged this week. I really am because you have this fact here that the all of the people are there with God's presence. God's presence descended and they're all there and they all worship, but they're not all in equal measure. Only Moses has this friend-to-friend time with God. And look, I'm praying my life would be like his, not just standing in the doorway like some of these not that I'm coming down on them. You'll see when we get in here. But I don't want to worship from a distance. I want to be close. I want that friend-to-friend experience. So we're going to look in Exodus 33. And we're going to consider four types of people here in relationship to God's presence. You have those who seek God. Those who, who stand. Those are the one who is a friend and the one who stays. Four different kinds here. Those who seek. Those who stand. The one who is a friend and the one who stays. And you'll... We'll go through them quick, but you'll see it. So quick background, you already know it if you've been tra- trapping along with this trapping, trapping along. How about tracking along? <laughs> telling you. Uh, God's people were slaves in Egypt, and Moses, by the hand of God, Moses led them out, led them into the desert, and ultimately to Mount Sinai to meet with God. They do, and when God speaks in chapter 20 of Exodus, they freak out. They ask Moses to be uh, an intercessor between them and God. And so 
They, uh, Moses goes to get God's laws and, and to, to, to get the information on how to know God. He, God tells him how to build the tabernacle. This is all during a 40 day period on Mount Sinai. And God gives him detailed instructions on this tabernacle. When he comes down, the Israelites have built a golden calf, an idol at the foot of the mountain. You can read all this. I'm going quick because I'm catching up to our story. Moses then goes back and begs God for mercy because God is ready to destroy them for idol worship after all of this. And then God tells them to leave Mount Sinai. So look at uh, Exodus 33. Chapter, chapter 33, excuse me, verse 1, and we're going to look first at those who seek, okay? The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. Now, you can go on and read this, but God's intention here and the terms he's used when he talks about your and you he begins to focus on Moses, and he's almost so angry that he said, okay, well, the, the heck with the people. This, I, I'm going to do this through you alone, Moses. And instead, though, Moses continues to beg for the nation as a whole, and Moses becomes an intercessor. And that's what this whole chapter is really about, is Moses being an intercessor. Moses standing between the people and God's wrath because of their sin. And all of it foreshadows Christ. But let's go in on verse 7 here. So they haven't been told to leave. Uh, Moses now, it says, uh, used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. This is, so he is now setting up this tent far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So Moses sets this place up for one real reason here, for worship, to be in the presence of God. It is outside the camp, um, set apart. And uh, But it's also not on the mountain like it was because the mountain was forbidden for anybody. So people can go to this tent. Uh, they have some kind of access to it, but it's not directly in the camp either. He says it's far off and doesn't define how far off, but far off yet. It's also clearly somewhat visible because the people stand in their doorways and they watch Moses until he goes in the door. We We read that. We'll read it again in a minute. So even though it's far off, it's still somewhat visible. It's not the tabernacle. God had given him instructions to build that, but this is not that. This is a temporary place designed by Moses until that tabernacle is built, which was designed by God. Both of them are mobile because the intent is for God to be with them as they go. Um, not that God needed a house. It was a presence place where they could worship. The tent was used by Moses. It's outside the camp. The tabernacle would be used by the priests, and it would be in the center of the camp. The cloud that came down here on this tent would do it when Moses came in. But the cloud, the presence of God, was what's that symbolizing there? The presence of God was in the tabernacle constantly. It remained there. Moses' experience is definitely unique in all this, okay? But he wasn't the only one that went out there. Did you catch that in the verse? Everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. Those who sought him went too. Now, is there not people who are just wandering around curious? This is not everyone, but a particular group, that undefined amount of people, but defined by their desire to experience. That's what sought him, to experience him. They want to experience him. How about us today? 
Just think about this a minute. Are, are we those who seek him? Are we those who seek him? Even if we had to go outside the camp. Even if we had to leave behind comforts. Even if we had to leave behind friends and family who say, man, you don't have to go all the way out there. You can see it from here. To go far off in anticipation of God's presence. Is that what you do? Is that what I do? Deuteronomy 4.29, great verse you've probably heard before. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and all your soul. So you have those who seek. Then you have those who just who, who stand. I keep saying just. I'm going to give them some credit, but, but I'm seeing them a little differently. We'll look at it. Verse 8. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his door and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. So when Moses went out, something was different. You have these seekers, but when Moses goes out, something is different. Um, all here, it says, would stand in anticipation and awe when they saw Moses go. Clearly, Moses had a very unique relationship with God. And I think about that with me, too, sometimes. And maybe you should as well. Is your relationship with God one that causes others to worship, to stand at the door and see what God's going to do? Not that God does miracles when you throw out your hand. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they know that you spend time with God and it makes them curious. It makes them desire and want that. Um, look at this in verse 9. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. Notice it doesn't say a pillar. It says the pillar. It's the same one as before. The same exact one. It's a definite article. That one came there. The one that led him through the wilderness. We looked at that already. You can go back and listen to it. But later, when the tabernacle was completed, you have that same cloud again in Exodus forty thirty four, descending on the tabernacle. And centuries later, it would be the same cloud in the temple. Ezekiel ten three records uh, a, a moment detailing that. But... Notice what it does here. Descend, stand, speak. Man, this is a person. This is a, this is a, a, a person. And people witness it, okay? Don't miss that. People see this happen. Look at verse 10. And when all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing, such an interesting way to describe, right? Standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. What made the people worship here? What made them worship? And where'd they go in order to do their worship? You know, were they worshiping on nice seats instead of those pesky hard pews? Modern seats so we don't have to look like old school church with those hard wooden pews? Or were they doing it in a nice air-conditioned, carpeted, large, vaulted ceiling building? Were they doing it with those high-level lights with all the fancy colors and the smoke and the quality sound? No, man, they were doing it in their doorway. In their doorway. Were they doing it because of the amazing sermon that the guy preached? Were they doing it because of the professional level singing and worship that was held at excellence? The music, you know, was it because of the multi-ethnical choir? Was it because of the rock band with the t-shirts and the skinny jeans with the torn knees? And the, you know? No, it was because the cloud 
God's presence descended there. And though the moment is outside the camp, it's not isolated. Don't miss this. It's not isolated. This is not like no disrespect meant, but it's a fact. This is not like the Muhammad uh, scenario where he encounters an angel and receives revelation. It's not like the Joseph Smith story where he receives a revelation from an angel, both isolated. This is really public. The whole camp witnesses it. Guys, if this didn't happen, there are millions of people to say, what are you talking about? But instead, they've preserved it as truth because millions of people witnessed it. Not only that, they participated in it. They worshiped. But as amazing and as beautiful as this is here, this moment, (laughs) they're worshiping, yes, all of them, but not all are seeking him. Not all are seeking him. Yeah, they'll stand, they're all standing at the door. I'm not shooting it down, but they're not all seeking him. And the problem is that sometimes when worship is easy, and I'm not saying it's totally easy here, but I'm saying when it's easy, when we treat it easy, it's easy to see it change and we get accustomed to God's presence. We get accustomed to say, oh, well, back to the door again, you know. We take for granted his daily provision. We start to get ungrateful. In fact, that's exactly what happens. These same people get sick of eating the manna that God provided in a later date. Numbers 11, verse 10 says, Moses heard the people weeping or, or complaining, wailing throughout their clans. Everyone at the door of his tent. So now they're at the same door. Of their tent, but instead of in shock, awe, and worship of God, they're complaining to Moses because God's not doing enough for them. So you have those who seek, you have those who stand, but then you have the one who is a friend. Look at verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses wanted and expected and waited for more from God. He worshiped and he obeyed. And as a result, he had a relationship with a relationship. You see this? Look at Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. And there's some parallel language here. It's not the same moment in time. But um, I want you to see what God says of Moses here in Numbers 12, verse 6. It says, God said, Hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision... I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly not in riddles. And look, he beholds the form of the Lord. Put that into your ears. He beholds the form of the Lord. Mouth to mouth, face to face. God, you know what that means? Friend to friend. That's what that means. Like a friend, he's speaking to him. Like a friend. Back in Exodus thirty-three eleven, as a man speaks to his friend. Were they actually eye to eye? Were they actually sitting there in two two seats across from each other in you know a small little room? Were they across a table? Were they were they literally sitting there looking at each other eye to eye? Not necessarily, uh, but it could be. We've already looked at his presence like when Jacob was there, and we're not going back through all these, and there's more ahead that we're going to talk about. But it could have been. Friend is a huge word here. Think about what defines a friend for you. Think about what makes you say this person is my friend or even close friend or best friend. I think about the TV show, Friends. (laughs) You know, Do you think of, is that how you define it, sitting on the couch at the coffee shop? 
I think about Joey and Chandler. I always remember the episode when they got the recliners and they both shoot them back. If you haven't seen it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But they both, they're roommates and they both get the recliners and they shoot them back and they both lay back at the same time. And they're just like, ah, oh, you know. Is it sacrilege to say that that's the relationship you and God have? Is that sacrilege? The disciples beheld the form of the Lord. They were in the presence of Jesus, and we know Jesus to be God. They beheld the form of the Lord in that sense, and Jesus asked them, Who do you say that I am? Thomas would later answer that question by saying, My Lord and my God. But Jesus also said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's in John fifteen fifteen. I call you my friends. He also spoke clearly with his disciples. He didn't speak to them in riddles or parables. According to Matthew 13, they heard the parables, but he gave them the interpretation. Same as God with Moses here. Same kind of language. Maybe it's Jesus, the son, who is actually coming and speaking with Moses. Maybe Moses is sitting down across from the son in a sense. Moses beholds the form of the Lord. He sees him face to face. But to be fair, to be fair, I'll, I'll, I'll when go on and point this out. In the end of Exodus 33, or later on, there's a curious phrase, and it's in the same chapter, so it would be, an, it would be unfair for me not to point it out. So let's look at it. Exodus 3, uh, 33, verse 18. Um, there's so much in this chapter. I'm trying not to, to, to try to unpack it all. It would take way too much time. But I do want to address this in light of us talking about seeing him face to face. Moses said, verse 18, Please show me your glory to God. Verse 19, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Basically, I'll, I'll announce to you who I am and I will reveal my character to you is what he's saying. And I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show mercy for whom I'll show mercy. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face. Now, I just said face to face, but here he's saying you can't see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. Where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. And then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Now he doesn't mean to say he literally has a back. It's kind of an illustrative idea of his passing glory and catching it in such a way. Um some say this means that, again, there's a lot to unpack, but let's just focus on the seeing my face. Some say it means that there's no full vision of him. You can, you can see him, but you can't see all of him, and that's arguably very true. In fact, if you look at Jesus and John, their relationship throughout Jesus' time on earth, even particularly at the Last Supper, John is laying on Jesus' shoulder or chest. Um, but if you go to Revelation, when John sees Jesus... At that point, he is in shock, and Jesus looks a whole lot different. Um, so, yeah, there's there's that sense that there's no full vision, full revelation of God. But there's also grace here. Everybody who saw, saw him thought they were going to die. We've already looked at it. We're going to look at more. They all thought they were going to die, and they should have, but they didn't. They should have, but they didn't. Was God a liar? No. The blood of Christ covers all who belong to him, past, present, future. All who belong to him, that blood covers. We have access to God by that blood. 
They had access to God by that blood. For us, it's 2,000 years in the past. For them, it was thousands of years in the future. Um, but to, uh, to see all of God, to see all, to look Him in the eye, you know what I'm saying? To be present with His complete holiness, to see His eternality, to witness His essence, as creator and sovereign God, that's not available to us, man. That's not available to us because of sin, yes, but more so because we just can't handle it. Now, I remember I've been to the Creation Museum in Kentucky a few times, and if you haven't been, you ought to go. It's awesome, but they have a planetarium there, and you can sit in it, and you're laid back, and you're looking up, and they show you a view of the stars, uh, and then they begin to back you out and in a sense take you on a tour of the universe and and it is so overwhelming and it makes you feel so tiny that the first time I saw it it nearly made me nauseous and it wasn't motion sickness it's the overwhelming sense of being tiny um think about eternity for a moment just just think about eternity however you want to picture it think about never beginning and never ending you can't do it. Your brain is not capable of doing it. It's too much. And everything you know has a beginning and has an end. That's why it's hard to grasp the idea of God. God offers Moses a chance to experience something here, but not all of him. He could never handle that. None of us could. He offers him a, a glimpse of his goodness. Did you see that? All, all my goodness passed before you? That's because if you knew all of God, you'd also know his wrath. All of his wrath, all of his justice, that's part of who he is too. But God says, I'm not going to give you that. God gives Moses the chance to hear him speak his name. That means to to know him, to, to have a, a, re, a revelation of his character, and to see his glory as it passes. And Moses is going to be able to do that, he says, because he's standing on the rock that God provides and he's hidden within the rock where God places him, and he's covered by God's hand. This is such a picture of salvation through Christ. Such a picture. We're able to know and see God because of Christ. We stand on faith. We stand on the rock. Christ is the rock of our salvation. We stand on that faith. And because of him, we only experience God's goodness. We're not destroyed for our sin because God's wrath was poured out on him instead. And because of grace through faith, we're not only stand on Christ, but we are in Christ. <laughs> it's amazing. Placed there by the Father and we're kept there. Kept there. Because we're covered in his hands. John chapter 10 has a beautiful picture of that. And for the record, when Moses is given the opportunity here that he's requested in chapter 34, even just the glimpse, you know, he, he gets the opportunity. He hides his face and bows to the ground. He doesn't even look, look at verse 8. Um, but so although Moses here may very well have been sitting across from God at this table in this tent, we don't know. He may have been sitting right there across from the sun in this tent. Uh, or it may have been an experience or something. I, I don't know. But what the intent here is that God was invested in spending time with Moses as a friend. That's the intent. So back in Exodus 33, it ends with a notation. Excuse me. It ends with a notation that Joshua uh, wouldn't leave the tent. So you have the one who 
are those who seek, those who stand, the one who is a friend, and then the one who stays. Look at verse 11. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Joshua could be guarding the tent. I don't know why he would need to. Maybe that's what's happening. But honestly, personally, I don't think so. Uh, Perhaps he just doesn't want to leave. That's what I think. I think he just doesn't want to go. Everyone stood in their doorway to worship. They all did that. Some went seeking the Lord at the tent. Moses went in the tent, and the Lord came and was a friend and met him there. But Joshua never stopped seeking the Lord and never left the tent. Maybe this is why he becomes number two. You know, if you keep reading the story, and we'll actually talk about Joshua next week. But maybe that's why he becomes number two. Maybe that's why God chose Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. They're the ones that do it, not, or he's the one that does it, not Moses. Something in Joshua's character is being shown here already, right away. And we can't say for sure. I'm not trying to read too much into it. We can't say for sure what, what the point here is. But we know that he's one of only two in this entire generation, Moses included, that goes into the promised land. And there's something of his character being noted here. That as Moses' servant, he didn't leave. He didn't leave when Moses left. He stayed. So let me close this up. Moses went to be with God, friend to friend, no doubt. Joshua wouldn't leave the place. Some of the people went out to seek God, and some stayed in the doorway and watched. Everyone moved in some way at the presence of God there, even at a distance. But, but, what's also true is, uh, as J. Oswald Sanders put it, and this is very well said, every one of us is as close to God as he has chosen to be. Every one of us is as close to God as he or she has chosen to be. If you're a believer, i got a question for you. And listen, before you answer now, let me ask you to consider your lifestyle and does it reflect what you're about to say? What if God said, I'll meet you Friend to friend. I'll meet you friend to friend. And I'll even show you my passing glory. Just stop looking at women like that. Just put down that bottle. Just give up those pills. You know, just let go of that social media campaign you're all about. Yeah, I said it. Just stop putting your husband first. Stop trying to get ahead at work. Stop, you know, stop trying to be the best all the time and just surrender trying to be number one. Would you still leave the doorway? Would you still go walk out to the camp, walk out of the camp, walk out to the tent that's far away? As more and more people fall away from you as you get farther from camp and closer to the tent. Would you head into the tent and expect that his presence is there like a friend? I'm sure you want that. I want that. But I've been wrecked by this. Would I be bold enough to go? Would you be bold enough to go? And how I know whether or not I would and how you can know whether or not you would is do your actions show that right now? Can you go across the street and tell somebody about Jesus? Can you go to a coffee shop and tell some? Do you? 
Do you? Do you even talk about him? How can you say I'll go to the tent if you can't even talk? How can you expect him to talk with you friend to friend if you're not talking about him with anybody else? Maybe our goal should be Joshua and not Moses. Maybe our goal should be, I don't care if you speak to me specifically, but if you're, if you're close here, I'm staying there. I'm staying there. Just your presence is enough. I'm not leaving. I'm staying there. Listen, maybe, maybe, uh, this is making you curious. All this talk about God and being seen and all these things and, uh, but it's all new to you. So let me ask you something. Look at your life. Is, is is there something that you're facing from your past? Is there something you're facing now that's too much for you? That That's just beyond your wildest fears even. Or maybe uh, it's just something you have no answer for. Maybe you do want to know God. Maybe you do want to see him face to face. Maybe you do want answers. And if you could just see him or sit down, then you'd believe. If you could just see him. But what if I told you that he already created a tent to meet with you? A body. That's what Christmas is about. A child is born. A son is given. A body created. Christ, Emmanuel, God in, God with us. That's what Christ did. He was God. He came. He provided that opportunity to know, see, and behold God. And don't say, well, he's not here now. That's not true. First of all, he is because he's alive. But I'm asking you, if you were there then, would you believe that? If you were there then, would you believe in him? If you would believe it then, then listen, you should believe it now. Because of what he said then. If you believe what he said then, then you should believe it now because he is alive. He said he would rise and he did. He said he would die on a cross for our sins and he did. He said on the third day he would rise and he did. He was seen by hundreds of witnesses at the same time afterwards. There's strong evidence, but I'm not going into all that right now. I'm I'm not asking for you to hear the proof. I'm asking you, do you believe? Having faith means trusting. It doesn't mean having a detailed explanation. It means trusting. So can you trust he's there? Can you trust that? Can you trust that he's able to handle whatever it is that you're overwhelmed with? Can you allow him to lead you? To love you? To forgive you, which means you must confess it first. Can you let him do that? Can you trust him to do that? And listen to me. Can you trust him to be your friend? Because I can guarantee you that's what his word promises you. Lord, I love you and I pray today that if there's anybody that's ready to make that decision, that they would confess it to you right now, that they would open their mouth and cry out to you and say, Lord, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. I trust that your cross was real. I trust that you died for my sin. I trust that you're alive. I can't explain it, but I trust it. I can't explain how the universe was created, but I live within it. I can't explain how you rose from the dead, but I trust that you are who you say you are and you did what you said you did. Lord, I would encourage people to say that today, to confess that they are a sinner, they're separated from you, and they need you. 
And, and I'm not saying that as a self-righteous person. I'm saying that rehearsing it in my own mind, God, that that's what you've saved me from. Lord, help sin be something that's destroyed in my life. Help me live a life, God, that that opens that door to where people would see you and me, you and I, having a, a friendship. And it would draw people to worship you. I love you, Lord. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.